on the pew. Can you all hear me all right? We good? Okay, cool. Uh, good morning. Welcome to West Irwin Church of Christ. We're so glad that you decided to join us this morning. Um, before we go any further, I just want to reiterate everything that's been said. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers, um, but not only to our mothers, but also to all of our women here at West Irwin. Um, we as a congregation are so blessed to have uh, just so many women that faithfully serve the body of Christ the way that we do. And so thank you uh, for all that you do. Uh, once again, what David said, there's going to be goodies at the back uh, for all women. Um, I think there's going to be some young men that will be passing those out, so be looking for that. Um, working off the idea of Mother's Day, before we go any further, I just want to knock this out. Elizabeth, my wife, is still not pregnant, so <laughs> if I talk about anybody being pregnant, not her. <laughs> so... We've got that out of the way now. Good deal. Um, we especially want to welcome all of our visitors this morning. Um, I am not the pulpit minister. Our pulpit minister is actually celebrating 45 years with his wife in Galveston this morning. And so uh, you're stuck with me. I'm Tucker Sullivan. I'm the youth minister here at West Irwin. And I'm just excited to be with you all this morning. Uh, before we get started, I, I just want to start off with a verse to fix our mind on this morning heading into the lesson. From 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The new is here. Five years ago, around this time, I was graduating high school, getting ready to graduate high school and head off to college at Southwestern Oklahoma State University. Go dogs! And um, that's, that's an intimidating time for all of our seniors, for those that are coming up on it or have recently been there. Um, you know how big of a deal college is, moving out from your parents' house. Um, it's just its a little intimidating, a little overwhelming. Um, whenever you get there, you're going to meet a lot of new faces. You're going to be introduced to a lot of uh, new things and um, go to lots of random events, try to find friends and stuff. And uh, wherever you go, whoever you meet, uh, we were asked pretty much the same three questions. The first one is, what is your name? Second one is, what is your major? And then the third one is, um, where are you from? And then if they really wanted for you to stick with their group, then they would be extra friendly and ask, what do you like? And, and stuff like that. But those are the three main questions. So my roommate and I, freshman year, uh, had this genius idea that we were going to make uh, customized shirts that just says, like, one, your name, two, your major, three, where you're from. We didn't actually go through with that, but I'm still convinced to this day that we would have made a lot of money off that. What is the sort of stuff that you hear people say about college? Um, it's a place where you get away from mom and dad. Maybe you, you move out of the house. You learn some responsibilities. Like, for me, it was cooking eggs and doing my own laundry and stuff. Um, meet new friends. Just figure some stuff out. But taking it just a little bit deeper, uh, what are some of the other ways that you hear people talk about college? Maybe it's where a person really discovers who they truly are. So common phrases that you might hear is self-discovery or self-expression or stuff like that. Now, I promise I'm not talking down on college or any, anything like that. Um, it was a, the most fun that I've ever had. I learned to not be a parrot so much and become my own person, um, and all that's great. But the issue that we start running into is that along the way, uh, especially around the time of college, we move away from these things, um, say for instance our job or where we're from 
or things that we're affiliated with, an organization or something, our favorite team, our knowledge of this or that. We move away from those things just being a part of us, and we're encouraged to make that the whole of us in a lot of ways. Um, we see this in the world all around us, but the reason why I bring up college is just because it is talked about so much there. Uh, as one analyst said, we've moved, roughly speaking, from thinking of institutions such as college as molds that shape people's character and habits towards seeing them as platforms that allow people to be themselves and to display themselves before a wider world. And platforms, that's such an important word that we see today, uh, platforms. College, platforms, so, I mean, think of social media. What is that other than just a, a big platform for everybody to be seen and heard? Um, and once again, I want to clarify, I'm not, not talking down on these things. I don't want to be the old man shaking the stick, saying, ah. Um, but what I am saying is, as with anything, uh, we as humans have found a way to twist this and take something that's morally neutral and turn it sinful and evil in a lot of ways. Um, so this leads me to the specific issue that I want to look at uh, biblically this morning. Coming back to the question, who are you? Not just the, the big three college questions, not even the what do you like to do, but who are you? What is your identity? So let's start by defining what we're talking about whenever we say identity. Um, here's a, a definition that I really like. It says, our identity is who we understand ourselves to be at the core. It's our essential self or it's what we want to believe and want others to believe is our essential self even if it's not who we really are. Who we understand ourselves to be at our core, who we believe ourselves to be, who we want for other people to believe that we are. So remember back to the verse that we opened up with. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Suddenly, some things start to change whenever we're in Christ. No, not just some things. Every, everything changes for us, whenever we're in Christ. Um, this isn't just some change in what we do, but it's, it's a change in us. It's a change in who we are. Um, we're given a new identity. And here's the thing, is our identity, our essential self, down to our core, is no longer found in ourselves. It's found in Christ. And whenever our identity is found in Christ, there's some things that are going to come with that. So that's what I want for us to look at this morning. What does this actually mean? So, first off, uh, it means that we're set free from sin. We're, we're set free from sin whenever our, our identity is in Christ. In one of Paul's writings to the church in Corinth, this will be 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Um, you can flip there if you want. I'll, I'll read it out. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, Paul lists out a multitude of sins. And, and what does he say? He says, that's what some of you were. That, that's who you were. But no more. Not anymore. You've been washed. You've been sanctified um, by Jesus' blood through the Spirit. So, we're free people, right? We, we've been set free from sin. Um, not, not exactly. So, as we keep reading, 
Uh, This is another letter from Paul. This is to the Romans, chapter 6, verse 18. It says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So here's set free from sin, and you think, okay, we're we're set free. Um, What about the in-between? What about the transition from being set free from sin to becoming slaves to righteousness? The issue is uh, we're humans born into a world where uh, our definitions of words sometimes don't match up exactly with what we're seeing in the Bible. So if I were to say a word and tell you to think good or bad, um, here's what's going to happen. If I say the word slaves, your mind is automatically going to go to bad, evil, disgusting. Of course, because that's what we see whenever we think of slavery here on earth. Um, If I say free, then you're going to say good, because free, good, right? Um, That is not what Paul is necessarily saying here. What Paul is saying is to be under the control of something is to be a slave to something. To be free is to no longer be under the control of anymore. And we're no longer slaves to sin. Sin no longer has reign over our lives. Not only do we have freedom from sin, but we've been given uh, over to God. Our identity is found in God, and now we've been given eternal life. We're slaves to God. Uh, Continuing on in Romans chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So not only have we been set free from sin, we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. We have been set free, free to eternal life. Okay, so we're free to sin. That's, that's the first point. Second point is uh, we have been made a child of God. We've been made a child of God. One scholar puts it in this way. Ever since Adam was expelled from the family at the garden, God has promised to make us his children again. So we can trace that concept all throughout Scripture, the progression. We see God calls the nation of Israel his firstborn son in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. Then... Say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may work. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now I, I love this story and I'm sure our students are probably getting tired of hearing about it because we've talked about it so many times. But I love it. I want for you to notice, how does Jesus approach this conversation with Peter? What's the first thing that he does? He asks him a question. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then Peter says, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. Then he asks him again, "Do, do you love me? Just three separate times, this is what he does. Is he asks Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter gives the same answer, yeah, I do, you know that. And then Jesus says, okay, since you've said that you love me, this is what you do. You take care of my sheep. He doesn't lay it out as that there's some kind of options. Um, when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 22, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus had a lot of nice, not nice, not nice things to say about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious elites during that time. And the reason for that is because they had identity issues. They were praying in their own name, basically. Even if they used the name of Christ, they were relying on their own goodness. They were relying on their strict obedience to the law. And Jesus had an issue with that. But whenever you love God, there is the expectation that good deeds are going to follow. This is what the Bible likes to call bearing fruit. Um, whenever we love God, it's not a, okay, you're, you're doing these things that, so that you will love God. It's a, you love God, and so these things are naturally going to flow out of you. That's what it looks like. When our identity is found in Christ, we are servants of Christ. So as we start to wrap up, I just want to talk a little bit more about why this is so important. Not just to know. I mean, of course, it's great Bible knowledge to know. Um, but not just in that way, but to truly believe. Whenever you're asked, who are you? It's important to know who you are and who God is. Um, it's a natural thing to try to figure out who we are. You take I know some of y'all probably don't do this, but a lot of people do. You take personality tests, maybe. Um, and I'm INFP, Enneagram 9, if anybody's curious. You take quizzes about what type of dog breed you would be if you were a dog. And you go in saying that you're a Rottweiler and you want to be a Rottweiler, and then the quiz says that you're a Chihuahua, and you get mad at the quiz and say that it's broken. You're not actually going in looking for a response. You have an idea of who you are and you want for it to just affirm who you believe yourself to be. So it's important to think about, who, who do I think that I am? What do I believe? Um, so going back to the definition of identity, our identity is who we understand ourselves to be at the core. It's our essential self, or it's what we want to believe and want others to believe is our essential self, even if it's not who we really are. I read a book a couple of months ago for a series that our youth was going through, and the book was all about habits. Some of y'all have probably read it before. Um, it's a pretty popular book, but it was super, super interesting because though it's not a Christian book, it's more of a psychological, scientific type book, um, a lot of the stuff that he said matches up perfectly with what the Bible, it just makes sense. The stuff that he would say, I would go through and put a Bible verse next to it because that's what I would think of whenever I would read it. It was super, super interesting. The, the book was all about the way that our habits, the things that we do, the real small little things make such a big difference in our lives and who we are over a long stretch of time. Um, in the book, he doesn't just talk about habits, he talks a lot about identity also, and how your identity plays a major role in your actions. I mean, he says that the deepest layer of behavioral change is your identity, which makes sense. Um, and if you want to behave differently, the most effective way is to change the way that you view yourself. He says that you're simply acting like the person that you already believe yourself to be. Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, do not Conform to the pattern, pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The author of this book that I'm referring to says, When you have repeated a story to yourself for years, it's easy to slide into these mental grooves and accept them as a fact. 
In time, you begin to resist certain actions because it's just not who I am. There's an internal pressure to maintain your self-image and behave in a way that is consistent with your beliefs. You find whatever way you can to avoid contradicting yourself. So, my question to you this morning is, what is the story that you've repeated to yourself for years, maybe? What is the story that you tell yourself? Who do you believe that you are, and does that match up with what the Bible says that you are? Because we know that if we're in Christ... We're in Christ. Our identity is found in Christ. And so everything that we read here, the free from sin, child of God, servants of Christ, all of those things are true for you whenever you're in Christ. So do you believe, do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that about yourself? Whenever someone asks who you are at your deepest level, do you think, I'm a child of God. I'm free from sin. Because the way that you view yourself is going to affect the way that you act. The, the way, the person that you believe yourself to be, everything else is going to reflect that. So do you believe what the Bible has to say about you? You're set free from sin. You're a child of God. You're a servant of the one true king. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, please come forward as we stand and sing.